The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And this is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you send us another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be in our life, to change us, to lead us into your fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Bass Mitchell tells of his first job in a grocery store. said he started out as a bag boy and then was promoted. And then he was given his own aisle to stock every day. Trucks brought in hundreds of boxes of food every week. He and the other workers unpacked them and put them on the shelves. And as happens in shipment, there were always boxes that they would open, and some of the cans had been damaged. So there were cans that had lost their labels, they had dents, they were crushed. And the manager said, don't put them on the shelves. No one will buy them. And so they were put in a large basket at the front of the store. And there was a lot sign that said, damaged goods, cheap. But shoppers ignored them. It seems to me that a lot of people feel like this. Whatever the reason, things they've done or things that life has done to them, things beyond their control, has made them like damaged goods, bent out of shape, crushed, of little value to themselves or anyone else. That is the setup for what the Holy Spirit will do. We have to remember that this text is in the Easter season, even though this text takes place Thursday before the crucifixion. So that meal has been shared and Jesus has talked with his disciples, washed their feet, 
given them an example of selfless love, had communion, and now he's preparing them for his departure. And they are distressed. And that often happens when we face loss. It shakes up our sense of what is right. It shakes up our safety level and makes us want more security. But Jesus has already told them not to worry, that he was going away and he had a place for them, but they are still upset because fear and loss are not easily defeated. And so Jesus tells them again, you will not be orphaned or abandoned or alone because he will give them another advocate, the Holy Spirit. That's kind of an interesting phrase, another advocate, because we know that Jesus is our first advocate, and now we have another. Our African Christian theologians that are our brethren in Christ like this passage because it resembles their traditional belief in African spiritual ancestor worship, where they believe that the departed ancestors move to a higher level of living and knowledge and wisdom and are there to guide them. These theologians see the passage as Jesus coming back to guide his disciples through the spirit of truth. And it's true. That truth continues to guide them and to guide us, advocating, stepping in, and helping us. The Spirit takes over the work of Jesus. This is not a trick question, but have you ever seen the Holy Spirit? Got an answer in your head? Okay. Generally, I guess we would answer, of course not. Other than flames of fire in Acts and a freely blowing breeze in John 3, we tend to say, no, we haven't seen the Spirit. And yet, we have. Two clues in this text. The Holy Spirit looks like an advocate, the one who stands up for you when you need it, the one who speaks on your behalf, the one who lends you a helping hand, takes your side, and won't leave you when you're down. Clue two. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, looks like Jesus. Another, because Jesus is the first. The Spirit 
will abide with us, Jesus says, just as the word was made flesh and abided with us. The Spirit, in Jesus' name, reminds us of what he taught, and the Spirit mediates Jesus' presence to help us understand his promise and that he will not leave us orphans. So what do those two clues tell us? What the Holy Spirit looks like? The Holy Spirit is an advocate that looks a lot like Jesus. That means we have seen the advocate a lot because, because, Jesus says, you know him. The Holy Spirit, Jesus in us. What does the Holy Spirit look like? If I hold up a mirror, that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. It is you. It is me. It is us. It is that spirit touching the church. We're quite familiar with talking about God as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But did you catch that in John, there's a fourth part? The fourth part is the believer's. Believers just don't stand and watch. Believers are called to be part of God. Believers don't just imitate Jesus. Believers participate in Jesus. Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. If God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has made his home with us, where is the distance? There is no distance between God and us. Christ is here now. The Holy Spirit is in us now. What can we hope for beyond that? An abundant life is given to us. We are the church. So you might be wondering, as you look around at your neighbors or you look in the mirror, how can we know if that spirit of truth is in us? First of all, we are baptized. We have a promise and a word and an action that says we are born of spirit and water. So maybe we have a hard time with that. We won't have a hard time with the second one. That Holy Spirit brings us into the truth. And we are sinners and we fall under God's judgment. Who tells us the truth about being sinners? 
It's that spirit, that spirit that works in our life, that spirit that convicts us of sin and judgment. So now we have a promise. We have a conviction in our hearts that we are sinners. And we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who is Savior and friend who gives us forgiveness, and who tells us the truth about Jesus. It is that spirit of truth in our lives. Just as the spirit convicted us, it is that same spirit who gives us righteousness. And maybe a fourth point. I think that we are afraid of that Holy Spirit because our picture of the Holy Spirit is as tongues of fire or a wind that blows where it wills. We can't control it. We want to do the same thing to our own spirit we would wish to do to the Holy Spirit, and that is control it, keep it safe inside. But that Holy Spirit does not work that way. That Holy Spirit is always surprising us. That Holy Spirit is always gently giving us love. That Holy Spirit is leading us into deep, commitment. And when reality of this world overpowers us, that Holy Spirit slaps us upside our head and says, God loves you and you are free and you are called children. And that Holy Spirit binds us into God. Another advocate, the Holy Spirit, is here, not because Christ is absent, but because we are called to more fully enter into the world of the Spirit, imitating Christ's love, giving what we have, living what we have been given, to realign us again and again with God's love and God's purpose. It moves us from only looking at our own thoughts, our own needs, excluding our neighbor, being superior to others, being in competition. It moves us from that attitude of the world to the reality of a love that is sacrificial on the cross, in the resurrection, in the ascension, in the sending of another advocate. Those things are beyond ourselves. And it gives us peace to deal with the world, 
though the world may not find us that 